Then we're going to dive right in uh, to our series, actually going to wrap it up this morning on generous soul. And uh, let's begin in Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25. It says, there is one who scatters, yet what? Okay, we're going to start all over again. Okay. There is one who scatters, yet what? Increases more, but there is one who withholds more than is right, or it literally is they keep what they should give, and it leads to what? To poverty. The generous soul will be made rich. And again, that's not just so you can be rich and have stuff. Some people really have driven that one into the ditch. It, it really, who, who is that? It's the generous soul and what he is, he's supplied so they continue to be generous. And he who waters will also be watered himself. Then in the message paraphrase, it says the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy. Any stingy people here today? Now they all came earlier. I'm, um, I'm joking. Uh, the world of the stingy does what? Gets smaller and smaller. And the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. Are helped. Alicia mentioned T4. T4. Time, talent, treasure, and touch. And we've got to realize and use all of those things. They all belong to God. Now let me do a quick, quick review of this whole series here. It's the contents and the condition of your soul that determines the quality and the direction of your life. It's important you understand. The contents and condition of the soul determines the quality and the direction of your life. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. First Thessalonians, uh, Paul prays that you would be sanctified or made whole, holy, spirit, soul, body. And that's the scriptural order, spirit, soul, body. Uh, Hebrews talks about Hebrews chapter four. It talks about only the word of God, like a sword, like a surgical instrument is sharp enough to separate between soul and spirit joints and marrow, the thoughts and intents of the heart and to get in there and see where you are. And so we've got to make sure the condition of our soul, because in our soul, that's where we think and feel and decide. And if you're thinking, feeling and deciding, if that's all gooped up, then that's going to affect the quality and the direction of your life. So one of the conditions that we want to nurture and cultivate in our soul because it's going to affect the quality and direction of our life is generosity, generosity. And that's what we're pushing for in this. If you are generous, it has to do with your soul. If you are stingy, it has to do with your soul. None of this has to do with how much you have or the economy or who's an officer or anything else like that. It's a condition of the soul. So again, if you're generous, it has to do with your soul. If you're stingy, it has to do with your soul. And so we want to look at that and nurture that in a proper way. Are you all with me this morning? Now, basically it comes down, bottom line, to this issue of stewardship and ownership. Stewardship and ownership. And he is the owner. It's all his, and we are, we're the stewards. We just manage it, and we should manage it for him. And I would recommend that you do something, that you would do this every day. You should do this early and often, kind of like voting in Chicago, early and often. Uh, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Um, well, you should every day say, God, it's all yours. Practice that. Everybody say, it's all yours. It's all yours. And then ask God how he wants you to to use that and direct me today and help me today, you know, to use things in a, in a proper way. Now I am, and I've shared this with you before. We're talking about time, talent, treasure, and touch. 
Um, we are going to talk about treasure again today. And, and hear me on this. Uh, if that makes you uncomfortable, let me tell you who's more uncomfortable. I am. I don't, I don't like, I really don't like talking. I, I hate hearing, that's all the church ever wants. We took care of that a few weeks ago and told you who actually was after your money and how commercials work and all that stuff. We're trying to find the truth. You know what we're really trying to do? We're trying to get the thorn out of the lion's paw so that we could all be a little more happy about this and, and realize God's truth on this. The best way to do this is to go to God's word. We want our lives to work. We want them to make sense. We want them to be whole. And, and so if that's the case, is that, is that the case? Then we can't take parts of our life and exclude them from God. And especially this very important area of, of stewardship. You know, you can't keep that out separate from God. Because let me tell you, you might get a little uncomfortable if we talk about money in church. Uh, but that's all you talk about, think about, strive for, worry about all week long. And so why don't we see what God has to say about this and set ourselves free a little bit. And let's, let's go ahead past our discomfort and let's get that thorn out of the lion's paw this morning. That's, that's going to help all of us. Now, uh, as we look at this and as we dig into this, then I have to say to you again, I'm sorry, although I didn't do it, I'm very sorry for the abuse, the manipulation, the junk, the wrong, weird, extreme things that have been taught and done regarding money in the name of God and in the name of church. But all those things aside, that is no excuse for us to avoid this. And that's no excuse to leave you in bad theology with bad results. We're, we're going to be better served to, again, get into the truth of God's word. When you come to know the truth, the truth does, does what? It sets, it sets us free. Now, let's go ahead and look in Matthew chapter 6. This is the Beatitudes, sermon, well, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Everybody read the last line with me here. You cannot serve God and mammon. Let's go ahead and read Luke's account of this. And it says, and I say to you, who, who is that I say? Who, who was talking there? Jesus is saying this. He says, and I say to you, and I think we need to perk up and listen when we know this is something Jesus had said to us. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail or die, that you may re- you, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is unfaithful in what is least is he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So I think our takeaway out of both of those passages, you cannot serve God and mammon. Y'all out there. Well, what is mammon, Pastor? Mammon is a, it comes from an Aramaic word and it means riches. It's also translated money. It's also translated uh, possessions. But it's more than just a, a noun and a definition. It's actually an attitude. It's kind of a, a spirit, if you will. 
And it has to do more with materialism. It's kind of the spirit of the world. It's um, greed and avarice. It also carries this with us, with it. Confidence in wealth. If I get enough stuff, you know, it's a confidence in, in wealth. Well, that word mammon, meaning riches, actually comes from the Syrian god of riches, who is in, and that's paganism, and that's in Babylon. Babylon actually means sown in confusion. So you see where this is coming from. And then Babylon, that has to do with the Tower of Babel. And in Genesis 11, you can go back and read about that. Remember, they were all together and they, they, we got it all going on. We're going to build a high tower. We're going to go as high as we want. We, there's nothing that we can't do. And in essence, the attitude at the Tower of Babel that God just stepped in and confused it all, confounded it all, was because this. They were saying, we don't need God. We don't need God. And the spirit of mammon, the spirit of the world, essentially says, um, we don't need God. All we need is more. And so it just drives on and on and on, and it can never fulfill its promises of, of more. So what we want to do is separate this out. And you might find before we're done today, because if I say, well, which one is your master, God or mammon? We're all going to give the Sunday school proper answer. God is. But we might find out before the, the morning's out, it's like, oh, wow. I didn't realize that at least in part of my life, I might be serving, I might be serving mammon. So what we want to do today, we're all in this boat together, amen? amen. What we want to do today is, is break the power of that and get ourselves free. So if the idea, uh, if money could represent this, I'm holding here a $2,000 bill. They don't make those, okay? It's a 20 and it's series 2009 and not, not used too much. And money in and of itself, is neutral. It's neutral. It takes on the, uh, it's just a medium of exchange, you know, thank you, thank you. And it takes on, though, the character, the purpose, kind of the attitude of whoever has it. So it's whoever has it, that's what kind of makes the difference. So if grandma had this, you know, kind of take on grandma. If the Gambino family had this, that'd be a little different. And if grandma Gambino, who knows? And money travels. It travels. Who knows where this has been? You know, my mom would say, money's dirty. You've handled money. Go wash your hands. Well, Probably so. But see, money also is dirty in the sense of maybe where it's been. But when it gets to me, when it gets to you, if you're going to serve God with it, uh, let me put it this way. A few years ago, I made some statements about the lottery. And I, I just don't think it's wise stewardship. I think it confuses you as far as looking to your source and, and you know, the chances of you winning the lottery, the chances of you getting hit by lightning on your way to buy your ticket is greater. So we introduced the home version of the game. And that is you take your money and just flush it down the toilet. And that's, a, that's the home version. So I did, I did some things on that. And I had a guy come and he said, well, I play the lottery. And what if I win big and I want to bring the tithe to the church? Would you, 
would you receive it for the church? I said, absolutely, Bubba. <laughs> and he said, he said, wouldn't that be dirty money then? I said, no, as soon as it comes into the, the hand, it's whoever's hands it's in. So this, this money could have been at the mall. This money could have been in the casino. Uh, a little Girl Scout could have received this. Thank you for buying cookies. This could be at a car wash. This could have been part of a drug deal. This 20 could have made it to church. Not a 20. Yeah, we're breaking that, aren't we? No, it'd make its way to church and maybe even to the missions field. But it's neutral in and of itself, and it, it takes on the character and purposes of whoever has it. Uh, I, I read in some of my research for this even that recently CNN, Time Magazine, and National Geographic all uh, reported the same report that uh, 90% of cash money, denominations of $50 and above, or $5 and above, have traces of cocaine on them. You go, oh, wow, that's my problem. No, that is not. There's not enough on there, thank God, for that. And that's because large amounts have been exposed to it, either through use or purchase or, you know, that kind of thing. And then a lot of money goes into money counters at banks, and then then they get tainted in that way. But money in and of itself is not evil. It's neutral. And it's what you do with it. But there's an attitude and a spirit that any money, hear me on this, your money, your possessions and so forth that are not submitted to God are subject to the spirit of the world, the spirit of mammon. And so what we've got to do, you've you got to serve one or the other. You can either serve God or you can serve mammon. You can't serve both. And I would recommend that you, that you serve God because money not submitted to God takes on the spirit of the world. And that money, and hear me and follow this and know this, It will either resist God, the money in your life. We're not going for God. We're not going for the things of God. It's almost like money talks sometimes. We're not doing that. And then other things. Let's go. Let's go. Am I right? It's going to resist God. And then it will be devoured by the devourer. Or it will be submitted to God and serve God and be blessed by God. And we've got to know how this works in our life. Now, notice I said, uh, read to you. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. That word serve also reveals to us that mammon wants to rule you. It wants to rule you. And as I said just a few moments ago, uh, only one should be ruling you, and that should be God. Did you know that even in the great tribulation, which I believe and I pray we miss, there will be the Antichrist in rule and he will rule and control not through threat of nuclear war or or armies and all that although he'll have all that here's how he'll rule and control by controlling the ability to buy and sell and again it's it's a spirit of mammon it's that control and so you're going to be under the rule of either god or mammon we want to make sure that it is god's money is not evil the love of money that's the spirit of the world That is evil, and it's the root of all sorts of evil. So money can be used for something unrighteous, or it can be used for something righteous. And let me let me just stop right here, so some of y'all will stop worrying. Does this mean God's going to take all my money? 
No, God actually gave it to you so you could live and so forth. And if God wanted all your money, he could take it. And he doesn't have to wait for your heart to soften and warm up. But he's provided for you for life. But God does want you to take portion and priority and and percentages of that and use for righteous purposes. So money can be used for unrighteous. It can be used for righteous. It can be used for temporal. It can be used for eternal. And you cannot serve both. And only serving God will serve you well. And let me just say this, and this might be startling here. How you use your money shows who you serve. How you use your money shows who you serve. All right, remember, keep your window down. We're pulling a thorn out of the lion's paw. You people are scaring me. All right. How do we break the power of mammon? Let's look at this morning. Luke 16, 9. It says, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, and that word means die, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Here's one of the ways to break the power of mammon off of our life. Use money for righteous and eternal purposes. Use money to bring people to Jesus. Use a portion of what God has entrusted you with for the work of the kingdom of God. And when you use money to bring people to Jesus, when you die, they will welcome you into heaven. Now, I don't know about you, and y'all are way too quiet for this guy this morning, okay? Well, that is an incredible, incredible thought that God would entrust us with something. And if we use it for, for his purposes, for righteous and eternal purposes, you think about this, you won't even know these people till you get to heaven. And there's a song a few years, years ago, thank you for giving to the Lord. And every radio station in the world wore it out. And so now you don't even hear the truth of it anymore. But here's the truth of it, is that if you will live your life and give in such a way that you give to righteous and eternal purposes, there's a day coming when you die and you enter into heaven, you are going to be welcomed by what the Bible calls friends that are there because you gave. I think that's holy wow right there, Batman. And I'm going to say something and, and get this right, okay? Figuratively, not literally, figuratively, don't you misquote me on this or I'll hunt you down. <laughs> figuratively, only God can turn money into souls. Figuratively. God, now follow me on this. Stay close for this. God can turn money into souls. Listen. That's why there's a battle over money. That's why the spirit of mammon would like to get you so consumer happy. Buy now, pay never. And get so painted into a corner with stuff. I couldn't do anything for God for righteous and eternal purposes if if I wanted to. And see, that's the spirit of mammon to just box you out. To just box you out totally from being able to be a part of us. The battle, that's why there's there's a battle over money. And so you might would push back a little bit this morning and say, well, that's fine, but I don't even have enough to, you know, pay attention to this subject about giving and generosity. And I don't mean this wrong at all, but if you keep that attitude, you never will have enough. So what do we do with this? Let's look in Luke 16, verse 10. And it says this, he who is faithful in what is least 
is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Church, listen, we need to be faithful in little. Everybody say faithful in little. You got to be faithful in little. Can I tell you something? We all have some to be faithful with. Every one of us, we all have some to be faithful with. And if you're sloppy and you cheat and steal and you waste with your little, truth is you'll be sloppy, you'll cheat, you'll steal, you'll waste if you had much. And so what we've got to do is conquer this and be faithful with little. And then God says, then you can be trusted with more. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings today. I want everybody to be free and to make progress in your life. But sometimes maybe the reason you haven't had more yet is because you haven't been faithful with what he already gave you. We've got to be faithful with a little to start with. Then in verse 12, it says this, and if you've not been faithful, there it is again. If you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? We've got to be faithful. Christians, believers, followers of Jesus, listen to me. We've got to be faithful. We've got to live a life of integrity. You know, I know on Capitol Hill, they'll have these Senate hearings and people come before them. They go, I don't know, or I ain't saying It's like, grow up. Somebody take some responsibility. Somebody do what's supposed to be done. And day in and day out, let's do this thing. So I can't fix them, but I can yell at you. And I'm not yelling at you. How about us as followers of Jesus, real deal? That we be faithful with things. We've got to be faithful in what is another man's. And then you can be trusted with your own. You know, if you're sloppy at the job and you're on another, uh, uh, your boss's time, their business, their vision, their resources, and you're the slacker, cut it out. If you're stealing stuff from work or you're, you know, you're slow and low under radar and, and, and all of that, stop all that. If you borrow a lawnmower from your neighbor, faithful with another man's, it should not be that a month later he has to come and ask you to get it back. And it's missing a wheel, part of the blade, and no gas, and it caught fire too, okay? You need to return that thing full of gas, shine up, good to go. And if something broke along the way, not just an apology, fix it. I don't know. You're you're telling me then why you got the situation. And we've got to be faithful in what is another man. I worked in a high school, or in high school, I worked in a gas station. And I'd worked there for a few months. And then one afternoon, the boss says, I'm leaving. He said, I want you to close up today. I'm like, what? He said, I want you to close up. And I go, well, what do I do with the money? Because there's a cash drawer and then they had this big zippered envelope. It was just fat in the back. I said, what do I do with the money? He said, take it home, bring it back tomorrow. I never did go back. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But I got your attention. I said, for real? He said, yeah, you're working every week. You're working hard and watching on all the little stuff. I can trust you with this. See you tomorrow. And so you've got to be faithful in little. You've got to be faithful also with what is another man's. Now, I'm sorry, but I can't even drive by this subject without bringing this up. Follow me real quick. Faithful in what is another man's. That means that something belongs to somebody else, but I've been entrusted with it. Follow me. This. Something belongs to somebody else, but I've been entrusted with it. You got to be faithful in what is another man's. It belongs to somebody else, but I've been entrusted with it. I'm sorry, I can't drive around this. That's also the tithe. 
The tithe belongs to God. And here's the question for us. Have we been faithful with it? And you've got to be faithful with that. Well, while we're out there, let's talk a bit about the tithe. Just take a few moments on this. How many of you know it's in the Bible? Hey, remember, I can't leave you in bad theology. We got to get clear on this. The tithe is the first 10% of your increase. The tithe predates the law by over 400 years. It's in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's prescribed by Jesus. It's actually a biblical principle, life principle and life practice. And it is not law. The tithe is not law. I've had discussions with people though before. They said, well, I think it is the law. And I'm not under the law, law of Moses. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Because I want to talk about something just for a second here. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said this. And and I'll, I'll, I'll just say time here this morning. Jesus said this, you have heard it said, do not commit murder. Everybody say law. law. He said, but I say to you, if you're angry at your brother, you're guilty of the same. Okay. Then he goes on to say, you shall not commit adultery. Everybody say law. law. He said, but I say to you, cause somebody say, see, I didn't do that. Like, Hang on. Cause we're all about to get snagged here. You've heard it said, the law, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at somebody else with lust in your heart for them, you're guilty of it. So follow me on this. The righteousness of grace exceeds the righteousness of the law, which means how to live right, the level of obedience under grace actually exceeds the level of obedience living under the law. Are you with me? And so if the law just takes care of the outside, don't do this, don't do that. It's easy on the outside or easier on the outside. See, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. But Jesus said, we're going past the law now. We fulfilled the law. And he says, I'm bringing to you a message of grace. And grace goes inside. Grace goes to the heart. And if the crud that was on the inside that produced the outside that the law tried to handle, if that's on the inside, guilty as charged. And so follow me. The level, or excuse me, the righteousness of grace exceeds the righteousness of the law. So if you think that the tithe is law and you're not under the law, you're under the grace, well, congratulations. Because now you should give even more. For real. Okay, let's don't argue about that though. Let's just do this. Here's what we can all agree upon. Give God your first and give God your best. Church, listen to me. Give God your first and give God your best. Now, let me endeavor to wrap this up this morning. The devil knows that the more that you give to church, to ministries, to missions, the more souls are going to be saved. So it's important that we view our giving not just as worship, and it is worship. We need to view it also as warfare. Because God can take money and turn it into souls. And there's money being sent. There's money being sent to Visa and MasterCard and the car company and the phone company and the cable company, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Because we've got to have more and we've got to have better and we've got to have fine, finer and flashier and blingier. Is that a word, blingier? And we paint ourselves in the corner with the spirit of mammon. And there's money that should be going to the work of the kingdom of God. How do we break the spirit of mammon? You've got to give. And go back to the tithe just for a second. We recommend around here that you do 10, 10, 80. First 10% for God, save 10%, live on the other 80 blessed percent. Pastor, I can't do it. You know why you can't? Because mammon is ruling over you. And I don't condemn you, but you've got to break it. You've got to break it. If you were all wrapped up, you know, being all tied up and everything, start to gnaw on your ropes to get free from this. Lick your arms and try to get out. I mean, do something. And so you say, 10%, I, I can't do 10%. You can't right now, but listen to me on this. But if you'll just start to nudge it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a giant step of faith. I'm going to do 1% toward God and 1% for savings. Listen, if you endeavor to give in that way, you'll, you'll start to break the spirit of mammon off of you. And here's what I'm going to tell you. And you make effort toward God and breaking the spirit of mammon, God will meet you there. Amen. God will meet you there. So start out 1198, 2296. And you keep leaning into that and you're going to break the spirit of mammon because I'm going to tell you, USA, American, spoiled, consumer, Christians, we're easy pay. We're all boxed in and we can't do anything to help God and help the work of the kingdom and missions like we need to because the battle over money is about souls. And if we can get so enamored with our stuff and our tricky stuff and our shiny stuff and our faster stuff and our better stuff, Oh no, now I got a newer one and I got to have it. And the spirit of mammon takes over and you know what? Then we end up ruled under it and we've got to break it. We've got to break it. And when you give, understand this, make the shift, start to give, you'll break it. Stewardship is a spiritual issue and giving breaks the spirit of mammon. Giving shows who you serve. Giving makes churches and ministries strong. And I believe that church is the hope of the world, the local church. I believe it's God's plan A. And when we give, not only do those other things happen, but it turns into souls. And souls end up in heaven. The bottom line is it's all God's. T4, everything, it's all God's. If you fund the work of the kingdom, God will take care of you. If you put him first, he will take care of the rest in supernatural, unexplainable ways. And if you'll make it your business to be generous, God will always make a way for you to be generous. I want to end where we started. We're going to read some scripture this morning. First Timothy six seventeen. command those who are rich in this present world. Well, I'm not rich in this present world. You haven't traveled very much in this present world to realize you're very rich in this present world. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, mammon which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And then finally, exactly where we started, we're gonna end Proverbs 11. There's one who scatters yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. And then in closing in the message, the world of the generous gets larger 
and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped. My prayer for Meadowbrook Church is that we will cultivate a generous soul. Your life will never be the same. And consequently, a whole lot of other lives will never be the same. The battle over money really is a battle over souls. Let's get a holy reset in the light of Scripture. That you know what? It's okay to let our Savior into our stewardship and make him Lord of all of our life and have a generous soul. I'm going to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning? All right. Thank you, Lord.